listening to Good Morning, the podcast talking all things grief with honesty and humour. So guys, this has been a very long overdue and long awaited episode, but finally we are covering the topic uh, that is very overlooked in grief and that is the grief of losing a pet. And we get loads of messages from our community members requesting this topic and we thought, right, pet loss psychologist, Dr. Katie Lawler is the perfect person to get on the pod. So Katie, welcome to Good Morning. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm honored to be here. I'm a longtime listener and I just really appreciate you making um, the time for this topic. Well, thank you for joining us. It's something that we hear from our listeners a lot about the loss of a pet. And before we get into the nitty gritty, Katie, we'd love to know, how did you come to specialize in this area of psychology? Oh, of course. So growing up, I always felt that I could just really be my authentic self around um, our pets. We always had pets in the house and um, and always just felt like I could be really genuine in the presence of animals. I was a very shy, introverted child. I still am as an adult. And, um, you know, as a girl, I preferred to be out in the barn. Um, My dad grew up in Ireland and we had horses and cows. And um, I, that's where I spent my time. I wasn't out socializing at parties or the things that my peers prefer to do. And I think, you know, for so many of us, our animals, are our primary and our preferred sources of companionship and love. And I've never thought our society, especially here in the U.S., gave enough attention to the traditions and the rituals and the grief for when our pets pass away. And I started formally studying this in graduate school when I was training to become a clinical psychologist, and I began adapting the therapies that were written for humans, I began adapting those for animals. And I think this is so important that we're talking about this today because, you know, it is entirely normal. If I do one thing today, I want to normalize that many of us feel closer to animals than we do other humans. And here in the U.S., 70% of homes have at least one pet and nearly 90% of pet guardians view their pets as family and 85% of those pet guardians report grief and loss that would be comparable to if a human family member passed away and a third of those are still grieving six months later so yeah and you know it's the same here in Australia we have like a lot of people have pets and Im and I have both got dogs Im's got one dog I've got two dogs and I don't have kids but my dogs are like my children like they're like my babies aren't they Im and they definitely are Sally's Instagram feed is literally like all her and her dogs if you go through like mine and my husband's (laughs) photos it's just literally like all our camera reel is just basically the dogs and you know the love that we have for them like I didn't realize until I got my first dog, Peggy, the absolute love that I, I just felt, we both just fell in love with her. Like I love her, like I i imagine you might love, like, you'd love a child, like, you know, do anything for the dogs. And so the fact that society does not acknowledge this as necessarily a valid form of grief or as important in terms of grief is, you know, is, is, is crazy because like you say, we do, they are like our family. No, absolutely. And I think those of us that are able to connect with animals tend to be, 
you know, really empathetic. We wear our hearts on our sleeve. We're highly intuitive. We're the nurturers. Um, we're sensitive in the best possible way. And we really value that quiet peace and the comfort that animals can bring. And I think this isn't everyone's personality, certainly not in our society today. And that's why I don't think this topic gets the recognition it does, which like you said, is just astounding to me because as humans, we're biologically predisposed to have a very deep relationship with animals. We, we've been reliant on them for our survival for, for millions of years. And all the latest scientific studies show us that there's so many mental and physical health benefits that come with being a, a pet parent, if you will. Um, we can you know, they really decrease our symptoms of depression, of anxiety, OCD, ADHD. There's so many um, research studies starting to come out, but also physical health as well. We engage with them. We take them for walks. You know, we ride them. We make sure that they have a safe environment, whether that's, you know, a tank or um, a stable or whatever kind of animal it is we have. And they just give you so much unconditional love too, right? And I know like our dogs helped us after the sudden deaths of our mums too. Like they just love you so much and just don't expect anything in return. Well, that's it. Exactly. You know, with, with humans, it's a constantly changing, it's dynamic relationship. There's highs, there's lows, there's misunderstandings, there's breakups, there's so many hurt feelings. And our animals, they make us feel better with their unconditional love and their loyalty, even on our worst days. And so when they pass away, their absence leaves leaves this gaping void in our hearts and in our lives and the loss is real and it's devastating and I think it's important to point out that we don't just mourn their deaths we also mourn all the future moments that we thought we were going to have with them and I think this is especially true um, you know, if they pass away sooner than we expected, if the death was sudden, if it was an accident, if it was very traumatic, um, or if we don't know what happened to them, let's say they get lost. Or I know there was a, a question we're going to talk about later if if we do have a breakup and, and the partner takes, takes the animal. So, um, yeah. And do you think because our relationships with our pets, unlike our relationships with humans, can sometimes be or is often less complicated do you think that is why it can hurt so much when we lose a pet oh gosh absolutely because you know we come home i'm coming from the office today i'm here still in my suit and immediately when i walked in the door i've got two kind of running around me right now bear is my at least 12 year old um kind of shelter special terrier mix and then i also have a rabbit and um they're just right there. I count on them when I open the door and they take me for who I am. I don't have to put on any pretensions or airs or they they take me for exactly who I show up as in that moment. And that's that's it. I think that's why we love them so much. They're fully in the moment with us. Absolutely. And are there any other reasons that you have sort of come across in your work why society doesn't recognize the magnitude of this kind of loss? I think that so many people just don't fully understand if they haven't had the relationship that we've had with an animal. And I, I hesitate to say, gosh, they're really missing out. 
but they are. Um, I think until you've experienced that unconditional, loyal love, um, you really truly don't understand the meaning and fulfillment that an animal can bring into your life. Mm, that resonates with me. Are there any common themes like that you see your clients come to you with when it comes to coping with pet loss? Is there anything that really stands out to you as something that a lot of them experience? Oh gosh, yes. I would have to say an overwhelming sense of guilt um, and guilt around a few very specific aspects. So for example, humane euthanasia, the questions I get are, did I hurt my animal? Did I decide too quickly? Did I make the right decision? You know, if you have an animal that dies of an illness, why didn't I respond sooner? I should have been able to recognize the symptoms. Um, I should have known, I should have done better. You know, if they pass alone, let's say they're older while you were asleep or while you were at work, I should have been there for them. Um, if it was an accidental death, you know, if only I'd been more careful, um, it's my fault that they suffered. And then often financial limitations. Um, you know, I didn't have the money for treatments or I couldn't afford that to take them to the vet as often as I wanted. And when I am working with my clients, I have two questions that I like to ask them that can really help clarify an understanding of what happened when their animal passed and really help us break out of that trap of guilt. Because I, I do think it's a trap. Um, and the first question is, could I have acted any differently considering the information and the resources I had access to. So, you know, my finances, the support of loved ones, my previous experience with animals. And I think if you were to objectively ask yourself this question, you would probably realize that you did everything that you could for your animal. And I think this question also prompts a profound and really deep reflection on the randomness of certain life events. There are so many things that are just not in our control. And then the second question is, is there anything I did that I could be proud of? When our pets pass, we tend to focus exclusively, you know, on the devastating, the dark aspects um, of their passing. And instead, I would really encourage you to try to remember the moments that you were kind, that you were gentle, that you gave, um, you gave them all the love that you had and give these equal attention. Great advice. And there's so many similarities to losing a loved one. That's a lot of the advice that we will give our community if they're experiencing grief when their loved one passed as well. So it's good advice. And I think we really do need to, as a society, start viewing it in the same light. Totally. And I think so many of us don't do this because in a really twisted way, it's easier to beat ourselves up um, when we're experiencing this loss than it is to accept the 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 um the loss itself that they're that they're not physically here um we really just want to berate ourselves and we're we're very good unfortunately at being very cruel to ourselves when we're grieving totally and i think because society doesn't acknowledge this kind of loss people find it really difficult to express it to other people if they are grieving the loss of a pet or really struggling it reminds me of my best friend, actually, a situation he was in. And I'd love to get your thoughts because I wonder if this is something that you come across often. But he um, had a dog um, and the dog was ill for quite some time. And they knew that the time was coming where he would have to be put down. 
But because the dog was his partner's dog uh, first and and his partner had had the dog for, I think, 11 or 12 years, um, his partner was very, very attached to the dog, as was my friend. But my friend could see that the dog wasn't living a good life, but his partner was really hesitant to end his life because of that love and that emotional attachment. But it was also then impacting their life because of the level of care the dog needed you know he was a big border collie and he needed to be carried down like three flights of stairs and like it was just it was putting a strain on my friend's physical health so it was a it was about a year that they they deliberated how do you make that decision if you're at odds with your partner or you're not coming from the same point of view is there a way to mitigate that No, absolutely. And I think this is where the relationship with your veterinarian comes in so many. And that is what I do in my day job. I work solely with veterinarians, with vet med and shelter med staff. They do have checklists that can tell you, you know, is is the animal having more good days and bad days? They they have very specific signs that you can Um, be on the lookout for. And I think this is where a third party can bring the two of you together. And and it's really helpful because you're bringing in, in this case, the expert and you can take their advice and hopefully find some common ground. That's what I would recommend. That happens. So let me validate that a thousand percent um, because it is, it's your baby. Yeah. How do you make that decision? Right? Like, oh, we threw it out to our community as well, Katie, to see if they had any questions for you and we were inundated. So we've handpicked a few for to answer if that's okay. Of course. So the first one we had in, they said, Hi, Sal and Im. I hope sending the question here is okay. I'm really looking forward to this episode. We lost our dear cat Pistachio unexpectedly in February and it has been the most heartbreaking experience. She was young, around four or five, and we lost her during an important time in our lives. My husband and I recently got married and were looking forward to buying a house with lots of big windows that Pistachio could perch on to watch the birds. Oh, bless. What advice do you have for moving through grief when you have lost a young pet? For me, there is a feeling of unfairness and that years of unconditional love and happiness were taken away from us. Oh, my goodness. Well, first of all, um, my entire heart is with you and... Hearing this, I think there's two aspects that we could discuss that could be helpful here. So, of course, you're going to ruminate on the time that you didn't have with pistachio and feel robbed. I want to validate that completely. And that's probably going to leave you feeling angry, hurt, lonely. You know, grief is so much more than sadness. It's a the full range of emotions. You know, fill in the blank. Um... And when we're feeling these dark emotions, if instead, when those come up, I would really encourage you to try to focus your attention on the moments that you did have and find gratitude for the time that you were able to spend together. And I, of course, I know this is so much easier said and then, said it than done, um, but it reminds me of a story. So my first job after college, I worked for NBC News in New York City, and I started as an intern, and I was there for almost four years, and I worked with um, the late, great uh, Tim Russert. It was a huge honor, um, who was this extraordinary American um, journalist, but he gave one day an advice 
uh, gave advice to um, one of our colleagues who had lost his um, son, his teenage son. And Tim said to this colleague, you know, would you still take the years that you had with him knowing how it was going to end? And of course, the answer is yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other thing he said was that it is physically impossible to cry while running. I haven't tested this out. I'm not a runner. I wish I was, um, but if only for this reason. And then sadly, Tim passed away um, just a few years later at the age of 58. Um, but the, the second thing is, you know, you mentioned this house with the big windows that you pictured pistachio sitting by and I would encourage you still to make a new spot in your home where you can remember and cherish her spirit you know get the cozy blankets get the cozy pillows maybe hang her picture on the wall or a piece of art that commemorates her life and this can be your safe space where you go when you're missing her I love that that's that's great advice thank you and another listener has has written in and said how do you deal with people who don't understand the deep loss of a pet so when our animals pass of course our natural tendency is to seek comfort from those closest to us and wouldn't it be ideal if they were able to provide us um, with the support that we need but sometimes this just isn't the case and if our grief is met with invalidation or with apathy um, from the humans that we love we're gonna experience shame loneliness in addition to several other deep feelings that are really gonna hurt us And I think this is where it's so important to know which loved ones we can count on. We need to find those that will be supportive and will validate um, everything that we're going through. And this is going to sound really potentially blunt, but it's real and honest talk. I think we need to be selective with who we're vulnerable with. So I have a girlfriend, a very close girlfriend from high school. Um, I'm godmother to her son, but she is not an animal person. And I know that if I went to her, I would not get what I need. Um, So I'm just, I, I know not to do that. And I think this is where podcast, your podcast is so incredibly helpful because you get it. Um, and this is also too where support groups, um, for pet loss, um, can, can be really helpful community is everything when you're grieving like connecting with people who get it is just it's been one of the most helpful things for Sal and I in our grief another question here I love this one actually it's an interesting question um how do I help my dog who is grieving the loss of her dog brother as much as we are oh my gosh okay these are such good questions like oh they're so heartfelt so I've heard from the veterinarians that I work with, that keeping the routine is so important because it provides structure, which is so important to us as well. Um, It gives us both that security that we're craving when we're grieving. Um, And I think, you know, some special attention, maybe a new toy, maybe a new treat, an activity that you both can engage in where you can really reassure them that your bond is strong. Um, I was just reading a study today that claims that our animals, the ones that are still with us when our others pass, they want to protect us. 
that animals are so highly sensitive mm-hmm. to human emotions and it you know they really can pick up on our grief on our anxiety they sense it in us um they're able to read you know our body language our facial expressions the tone of our voice so we also just might might want to be really mindful of that if we're trying to protect them in the loss um in this loss i'm a huge fan of crying in the bathtub um you know i go and i have my private time and you know then you can just kind of splash the tears away and come come back out and be there for them oh and they do grieve like my dog bosley when i was obviously in the depths of my grief with my mom and i'd be crying on the couch and like bosley would be the first one to come and like sit on me and just stare at me and oh yeah it's beautiful i truly I think we're just right on the cusp of realizing how brilliant and sentient these these animals are. And it's on us that we haven't figured out how to communicate with them. But I, I truly think that we're just going to be astounded when this research comes out. I can really relate to that as well, because like Im, my, my two dogs were there for me. They were so comforting. They they helped me so much through my grief. And um, and we touched on this earlier about what can happen if you do have a pet that you share with a partner and then you break up. And we've got a listener that's written in and said, my pet hasn't died, but I've had a breakup and I can no longer see her. How do I cope with this kind of loss? So I would view this, I mean, truly um, as a child custody case, there are children, right? We've been saying that for this whole conversation. Um, you know, and, and in this country, we'd have lawyers and judges and social workers and everyone would be involved in trying to figure this out. And I share this because it is so highly emotional. Uh, you know, it's such a heart-rending, complicated, challenging, stressful situation. And hopefully, um, you know, this is where both parties, even though they're not romantically involved any longer could come together to put the needs of the animal the wants of the animal first and could arrange for some sort of visitation schedule Um, but I also get that maybe your partner has moved away or you moved away um, and you can't physically see them so I would you know kindly if it were me kindly and gently ask my former partner if they could send me updates or photos or videos or if they didn't want to interact with me directly could they send these to a loved one or even post them on social media so I could keep that connection or if I could send gifts or or, you know whatever that looks like for you but of course you're gonna want to keep that connection going in any way that's possible. I remember when my sister separated with her old partner, they had a dog together and they were like co-parenting the dog and he ended up moving away. Like I think, yeah, quite a way out of Sydney and they do drop offs and pickups with the dog. I I think they still do it all these years later, like co-parenting their dog. They actually definitely still do that, which is amazing. Um, (laughs) we have another question in here. How do I accept that my dog will die before it gets to that point to make it less shocking at the time? Tricky, tricky one to answer because I don't think you can ever really prepare yourself for these things. But do you have any, any tips up your sleeve? (laughs) Well, that you, I think you said that beautifully and, and exactly. So I, I actually think, our grief can be more difficult. There's a term for anticipatory grief um, when our animals are still with us because we want to spend every single moment with them. We want to make the most out of everything. And I think sometimes, especially 
when they start to get older if, or if they do have a condition or they've been diagnosed, you know, we can start to get really scared to be away from them. Um, and we might even start finding ourselves really hypervigilant around their care. I know, you know, bears at least 12, maybe 14, the shelter didn't really know. Um, and I will watch him breathe sometimes in the middle of the night just to make sure he, you know, he is still breathing. I would try to just encourage you to be as present in the moment as possible and to cherish these moments. You know, this is the time to do the things and say the things that you've always wanted to do. Take the adventure, say the I love yous, document everything on film, preferably video so you can watch it. Um, you know, then you really have these memories preserved forever. And I honestly, again, easier said than done, but I wouldn't give much time to thinking about the day or the time when they won't be here because it's not helpful. Um, many of us catastrophize, another psychological term um, that I, I'm, if, if you work with me, you know, I'm very practical and, and real talk, but we catastrophize in this really twisted way of trying to protect and prepare ourselves. Um, but all this really does is give us anxiety and fear, especially in a moment where it sounds like everything is okay right now with, with your pet. So um, that's my two cents. Is it a case of like catching yourself when you feel that you are starting to worry about it or spiral and just trying to bring yourself back into the present moment? Can that help? That, that's exactly it. I would try to ground myself in any way that I could. And I think with pets, you have a built-in grounding system. I would pet them or brush their hair or do, you know, do something meaningful with them and really just kind of look into their eyes and, and get back to that moment. That's exactly it. And it's a real learned skill, isn't it? Learning how to be in the moment, how to not be thinking about the future or the past. It's, it's definitely something like it takes practice. I mean, I'm like you, I wake up and look at my dogs to make sure they're breathing. They're not, they're, you know, they're, they're five and seven, so they're a bit younger, but I'm always going up to them and just, just check in. Like, <laughs> you I literally are, Sal. And I love that you said practice. So, you know, with all these, I know mindfulness is such a hot topic and breathing skills and, you know, these are so helpful, but you have to practice them. You cannot just start it for the first time when you're, when you're in a panicked moment, um, that won't work you to be able to utilize them and really rely on them. I'd say practice them, set a dedicated, you know, 15 minutes once a week and, and find something that works for you. Um, not every coping skill is going to be a fit. Um, our hope is that maybe just two to three will be out of the myriad of, of coping skills for, for anxiety and grief. Yeah. We recently interviewed a resilience expert, Dr. Lucy Hone, and she had some brilliant yes, advice. Hey, and that was something that you just said made me think about something that she mentioned, which is a strategy for building resilience. But when you're in those moments where you're focusing on the future or focusing on the negative things, like having that awareness to be able to sit back and say, right, is what I'm doing or thinking right now helping or harming me? And yeah, it's really great to have that ability to kind of ask yourself those questions, but like, okay, these thoughts are not actually doing me any favors. I'm going to focus on things that I can control now rather than the future, which none of us, unfortunately, have any control over. 
No, that's exactly it. And, and it can be just the simplest thing of switching up your environment. I know just going outside, if I'm alone in my home, in my apartment, um, I'm going to spiral. But if I step outside on the street and I see that life is still continuing on all around me, that really helps for me. Um, I mean, stopping to smell the flowers, that is a coping skill. Um, so absolutely, that, that's tremendous advice that she gave. And, and that leads me on to our next question, which is what strategies can we use to help ourselves when we're coping with the loss of a pet? So going outside, just getting a bit of a break in our routine. What else is, is, is helpful when we're, when we're mourning our pets? No, of course. So I call the first few weeks after the loss the surreal time. For many of us, it, it's going to be incomprehensible that they aren't here physically with us. So this is the time that those first few weeks, the first month to surround yourself with what brings you comfort. So for me, again, it's nature, it's the forest, it's being near water. Um, also just something like buying a bouquet at the grocery store and, and having your favorite flowers or, or lighting a candle, watching a movie, the movie that you used to watch as a child that made you feel safe. So for me, that's the sound of music. Um, but then, you know, I, you know, once the first month and you really do want to start working um, on on feeling, um, I don't say better, I say, you know, just more secure and more stable. The, the, the most helpful piece of, of grief research for me is um, Warden's Four Tasks of Mourning. And I'll, they're very brief, I'll share them here. But the first is to accept the reality of the loss. And that takes time. We can't, there's nothing that we can do um, to really force that, that that will come with time. Um, the second is to work through the pain of grief. So what we're doing right now, talking about it, we know that's the healthiest way. Exercise is also very healthy, but what's on the inside, if we try to stuff it down, those emotions, they're always gonna find their way back out, always. Um, and this is the healthiest way for them to come out. Um, the third is to adjust to your, your new environment without the pet, without the person. Um, this was obviously made for humans, but I've adjusted it for animals. So what does your new home look like? What does going to work now look like? What, you know, what do you do on the weekends when they used to be the center of your life? And then the fourth is to find that enduring connection with them, to find meaning again. Um, you know, I had the most brilliant professor in grad school, Dr. Steve Smith, and he was teaching theory. It was it was something very intense and I wasn't good at it. I was terrible. Psychodynamic therapy. Um, and it was very hard for me to grasp. And I was so scared of the exam. I wasn't doing well in his class. But anyway, the, the final day came and um, he's passing them out and we're all so nervous. And this was the exam question. What makes you get out of bed in the morning? That was it. That was the full exam of his semester long intense class. And I think that's it. You know, grief can prompt a time to really reflect on, you know, what do I consider a fulfilling life? What am I proud of? Who do I want to become? What inspires me? You know, what do I want my legacy to be? What do I want my pet's legacy to be? You know, who and what do I love the most? So I think grief can really prompt a time to ask those questions. 
I love that. And it's such a simple question too, isn't it? Like, and one that we could all ask no matter who we're grieving and, and where, no matter where we are in our grief as well. Katie, this has been such a great conversation and I'm so glad that we've finally been able to cover this topic because I know it's going to help so many of our community yeah. members. Lastly, before we let you go, where can our listeners find you? Oh, um, at Pet Loss Psychologist is my Instagram account. I try to do these podcasts or, or lives with different animal rescue and animal welfare organizations. Um, it's very, very important to me that these be free. Um, mental health, at least in the U.S., is incredibly expensive um, and very difficult to access. So that's the whole point why I started this account, so that we can build this community. Like you both said, community is everything thing especially in grief so that's the best place to to find me and then for any specific questions um dr katie lawler at gmail.com brilliant thank you so much katie for your time it's been lovely to have you on the podcast oh gosh absolute same i feel the same way as always a huge thanks for tuning in guys we really hope that you enjoyed listening to this episode and before we go, we have a little favor to ask. We'd love it if you could leave us a rating or a review wherever you listen to your podcast as it really helps other grievers find us too. Until next time.